Welcome to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. I am your host, Makeba Giles. Here we share information and resources for physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being to help families live an inspired lifestyle and encourage healthy living. Thank you for joining us. You may have already heard of Danielle Clayton. In the past six months, the prolific author has published Shattered Midnight and The Rumor Game, which is also a Netflix original series. So it's hard to believe that The Marvelers is a debut for her. Um, It's a fantasy novel for middle graders, and as Rick Rorden has given it rave reviews saying that it deserves the highest compliment that he can give a book, which is he wants to live in this world. We are continuing our series on empowering and inspiring youth through fiction. And with me, I have the one and only Danielle Clayton. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Now, tell us first, how did you come up with the world of wonder set at the magical school in the clouds in the book? Okay, so I came up with the concept because I was a teacher and a librarian for many years um, in New York City, in Harlem specifically, and all of my students uh, were from communities all over the world. And I wanted to create a world where they could see themselves. And they kept asking me tough questions about why they didn't appear in books uh, that were magic school books or books with fantasy. And I didn't have any answers for them other than racism. (laughs) And I wanted to (laughs) figure out a way to make sure that they could still fall in love with books. Um, Because when you don't see yourself, you start to believe that you don't belong. And And that can affect your relationship to books and then your relationship to literacy. It can affect that. So the Marvelers came out of my desire to give my students a magic school where they were welcome and they could feel like it was home for them without any questions. I love that. I love that. And you are absolutely um, correct. I always tell my kids that, you know, in growing up, I didn't, there weren't hardly any books um, back in the 80s I'm dating myself but but back in the yes but back in the 80s where you know I saw myself so it's wonderful to have books out like that right now Um, and especially something where they can escape in a world with you know like you said people that look like them and they can relate to now um, the themes that you explore with the characters from around the world as you said um, they're all practicing their magical arts Um, at this training institute. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, so I envision this world. It is our world, but there are two groups of magical people in it. Um, There are the Marvelers, and they believe that they are born with a light inside of them. That is their marvel, and that is their magic. And they decided long ago to leave the non-magical people and go into the skies. They have three cities and they have a school. And so they have created a wonderful, bustling, protected sort of environment up there. 
However, there's another group of magical people called the Conjurers, and they are left down with the non-magical people. They can come visit the Marveler cities, they can work there, they can shop, all those things, but they have to go home. They have to go back to their cities because Marvelers are very suspicious of Conjurers and their magic. And so we get to follow the first Conjurer student ever to be allowed to attend the Arkham Institute. And I wanted to showcase uh, a book about community and what happens when you've got two magical communities with two different magical traditions, how they can rub up against each other and how that can create fault lines and divisions. And I wanted to have a conversation with young people about how we make community, who's invited in, who's kept out, et cetera. Yes, exactly. And um, you mentioned earlier about you know, um, racism, and you incorporate racial bias and otherness in the novel. Um, let's dig a little deeper into that. Um, tell us your process on how you were able to um, so elegantly and delicately um, incorporate the racial bias and otherness in the novel without it, you know, coming off um, harsh and as well as being relatable to young readers. Absolutely. So I came at it from a magical point of view. So I wanted to be honest about how I feel like if, when we live in a global society, how that doesn't mean that we don't have, that magical people are immune to racism or immune to bias. And so I decided to use <clears throat> this metaphor of these two magical communities to have a larger conversation about who gets to be let in and who doesn't who gets to be let out. So conjurers are descendants of West African marvelers. And they, but what happened is that I used the historical catastrophe and event of the transatlantic slave trade as an anchoring of what happened to conjurers magic. The crossing of oceans and the crossing through that pain and that struggle changed the magic. And, and so whereas marvelers believe they have this bright light inside of them that has, you know, created their marvel, conjurers have a light inside of them too. It's just a twilight. They've had a different experience, and that has therefore affected their magic in the way that it manifests. So their magic is all related to crossing. They can, because of that crossing of those oceans, they can cross into the underworlds. They can cross through into the will of plants. They can do all kinds of very interesting things that are very different than the way that marvelers experience their magic. And I wanted to talk about <clears throat> how differences can, in some communities, we're like, yay, everyone's different. That's so great. And sometimes we create insiders and outsiders when we do that. And I wanted to explore how what happens when a community opens up and lets people come in, what are those growing pains like? How do we have to make space for each other? And how do we have to confront our own social bias in that? And so the Conjure student, Ella, she has to face a lot of bias, people not understanding her magic, people not understanding her community, people being suspicious, also a lot of people being excited. Um, so she gets both, and her community is also conflicted about whether or not she should be there. Um, so I was paralleling this actually after Ruby Bridges and also my parents who integrated the American South in the 60s. Um, and I wanted to have a conversation about integration magically. So you're picking up on all of the little Easter eggs I left behind. <laughs> 
Yes, and I appreciate it. Yes, and thank you for sharing that because that's, that's definitely something that, um, especially middle graders, that age demographic can relate to, especially um, if they have something going on like, you know, a family move across country or, you know, even just transferring from, you know, um, a school in their community to a school in the south side of their community or vice versa. You know, like you said, it's that question of, you know, do I really belong here? Um, you know, what, what can I bring and then what can others bring to me you know how can I make this work for me this is new territory so um, yes you addressing that in the book is definitely going to help um, young readers especially um, those crossing over into middle school you know in the next year um, in the upcoming school year you know they'll have the summer to read this book and kind of draw like you said draw from those easter eggs that you put inside the book to help them um, get navigate through the school year now um in writing you told us a lot about the um the the people in the book the characters tell us about the boarding school itself Sure. So the Arkham Institute for Marvelous and Uncanny Endeavors is in the sky, and it never looks the same way twice. So every year it looks a little bit different. Uh, it rearranges itself and refreshes itself. You've got all things magic that you would love to, that would excite you to come. So you've got, we've got magical creatures. You've got these, there are these little animals that live in the walls. They're called Roddies. Um, they are based off of quakas. If you don't know what a quaka is, please Google it. <laughs> <laughs> O-K-K-A. They're from Australia. They're so yes, cute. Yes. Smile. And if you feed them sweets, they will do favors for you. Um, you've got magical food. So I created a dining hall that could feel like any kid could feel comfortable with their food um, there because that was a huge thing for my students. You know, having them from all over the world, there were so many different kinds of lunches. So I have magical food carts. They're like little food trucks in the uh, cafeteria. And you've got your curry cart, you've got your dumpling cart, you've got your rice cart, uh, your taco cart, like everything from around the world. But all the food is magical. So let's say you want to have Jamaican jerk wings. They might insult you before you eat them. Or your dumplings, they might, you might have to pin them down because they're going to dance before you eat them. Um, and if you get latkes, they're going to laugh things like that. I wanted to make it feel whimsical and fun, um, the food, but there's all these different towers where you get to see um, the different paragons of marveling. And it's just a world that I think kids can really get lost in. Absolutely. Now, you have written for young adults before. We know that. And, and you know, but this is your first um, dive into writing for the middle grade age demographic. Um, as you said before, you was a middle school librarian. Um, I'm sure that helped a little bit in your preparation as writing this book for this age group. Um, tell us, in addition to including that magic to appeal to the middle grade age group, um, what other, did you have any adjustments that you had to make or what else um, did you, a pull from besides that experience to transition over to the middle grade writing for them sure so writing for teens i love you teens uh, <laughs> really angsty and it's all about the drama mm -hmm. it's all about the big feelings mm -hmm. and all of that right love it 
have published tons of YA and yes. absolutely adore the genre. Middle grade is my first love. It made me into a reader. I was an elementary and middle school librarian. And so I wanted to write for this age group because it's a time when you can build an imagination or you can break an imagination of a young person. And I wanted to make sure that I could write into this area to create a literacy bridge, right? A kid can now follow me from middle grade all the way to YA and I'm working on an adult if they're a fan. Um, and I also believe that this age group is where kids are reading the most and really working on their reading levels. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure to write a book where it was magical and fun, but actual and also had real world application uh, for discussion. So I love this age group. It is my absolute favorite. Yes, indeed. And, and you did a fabulous job with that as well. Um, like you said, you're getting rave reviews already. Um, now, you also have a nonprofit called um, We Need Diverse Books. And you, we just talked about um, that in that gap in, re, in regards to middle age reading. Um, tell us about a little bit more about your nonprofit and how that would have been a benefit to you growing up. Absolutely. So I help run an organization called We Need Diverse Books, and you can find out more about us at diversebooks.org. And it is attempting to make sure that every kid can walk into their classroom, walk into their library, um, and see themselves reflected back as the hero of a story. Um, the publishing industry has a crisis where one type of child has always been catered to in publishing, and we decided to come in and try to help make sure that all kids are being serviced um, in the books that are being published. So we help publishers, we help readers, other writers, parents, educators, teachers, librarians get the information that they need about diverse books and put pressure on publishers to make sure that they are publishing responsibly and effectively um, books from all different types of um, vantage points, featuring kids from the margins and featuring authors having authors who are from those experiences writing those stories. So it's been amazing to work with the organization. Yes, it sounds amazing. And um, thank you so much for the work that you're doing there. Now, um, lastly, I want to ask you, we know the summer's coming up. We know um, that summer brain drain can come along when it comes to, especially when uh, with middle graders. Um, what advice would you like to give to middle graders to um, try to avoid the pitfalls of summer um, brain drain and also to get into reading? I think find the thing that you love. Find the thing that really excites you, whether it's a graphic novel. Graphic novels are still novels. Whether it's a webtoon, whether you're listening to audiobooks, find something um, and give it a try. Give it a shot. Uh, you never know what you'll find. And try to read things in different mediums, right? Listening to a story is different than reading a story, is different than looking at a graphic novel. Try to do all three. Challenge yourself. Um, and keep going to your library and your librarian and asking for recommendations um, until you find the thing uh, that works. Perfect, perfect. And I want to let everyone know that the book The Marvelers is available today. It just got released today. And magic will never be the same. <laughs> let your middle um, schooler read this book, get them a copy. They will definitely love it. It is available everywhere. The books are sold. And um, lastly, Danielle, tell us where 
people can keep up with you on the World Wide Web? Or they can find me at every on um, social media at Brown Bookworm, and they can go to themarvelersseries.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. And um, again, thank you so much for joining me today. Congratulations on the release of the book. We know it's going to be another bestseller for you. And we wish you the very best of luck in all of your future novels to come. Thank you for all that you're doing for our young adult readers. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Faith, Health, and Home Digital Podcast. For transcripts of this episode and others, visit our website at faithhealthandhome.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Thank you again for joining us.